Well, how's your day going? All right, we're going to get some energy in this place tonight. Sound good to you guys? I think so. Well, could you turn to someone next to you, just say, hey, I'm glad you're here, real quick. In Modesto, do it online. If you're by yourself online, point to yourself and say, I'm glad you're here with me. We got a great, great message in store for you guys tonight, but not because I'm bringing it to you, but because, tell you what, some of the best messages as a pastor that you can give are the ones that hit the hardest for yourself. So just know that when I'm preaching to you guys tonight, I'm not just preaching to you guys or to you guys in Modesto or online, I am preaching to myself. I'm preaching to the choir, right? You guys sounded amazing tonight during worship. How uh, awesome is Pastor Trin, by the way? Yeah. How beautiful is Pastor Trin, by the way? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, if you didn't know, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. Um, you might not know a lot about me, but one thing that you should know or get to know about me is that I've been married to Pastor Trinity for 10 years, and we have, yeah, we have three kids, five years and under, with uh, another one on the way in January that we're very excited about, but that just means that sleep is a major commodity in our house, right? That is, that's how we pay uh, each other. Like, you think, uh, you know, me and Trin have this thing where we, we don't get gifts for each other except for birthdays. We go all out on birthdays, all right? That's what we do. So Christmas, everything like that, we kind of break tradition, what people usually do, and we just do birthday presents. Um, but the thing is, the more kids that you have, for some reason, I found this to be true, this is like a, a test in my life, is that when, the more kids you have, the less money you have. Has anyone else experienced that before too, right? Um, and so that means that when it comes to birthday time, you know, we haven't been able to necessarily bless each other as much as we did, you know, pre-2017, right? We were just, we were going all out. Like, um, I, I promise I'm not just blowing my own horn and stuff, but the last big gift I remember giving Trin was this beautiful red piano right here. And that was like, okay, now we're done forever. All right, that's, that's it. That's the one. Um, but you know, that, that just means that one of the biggest and best gifts that we could give each other is just the gift of, it sounds terrible, but I know you're going to get it, the gift of time away from your kids. You, got, you know, just, just some sanity time, right? And so I'll send Trin off on a couple-day writing trip, and uh, I'll bless, bless her and be like, you got to write some amazing stuff, because when you get back, you're going to hit the ground running, all right? This is... <laughs> um, but sleep, it's just, sleep is not easy to come by. Um, but one of my least favorite things uh, is waking up from an awesome dream before the dream is over. Has that happened to anyone else, right? Or is it just me, right? You, don't you just hate that? It's the worst, right? I, I love great dreams because, they, you know, they have no connection to real life. They just, they don't. The best dreams are the ones where when you think about it, you're like, this doesn't make sense at all, but it was awesome, right? You know, some of my favorite dreams are the ones where, where I have superpowers, right? You know, I can, I can fly, I have super strength, I can shoot lasers out of my eyes, I'm basically Superman, right? That would be, that'd be a really awesome dream. I'm probably dressed up like him too, just like I was when I was a kid, and I believed I could fly from one couch on one side of the room to the other couch on the other side of the room, and a, a sprained ankle told me that that was not true, right? Or maybe, you know, the ones where, like, you're 
best friends with one of your favorite celebrities and you get to spend a whole day with them doing crazy things that you could never afford to do in, in real life, right? Um, I think I speak for us all when I say I, I hate when I wake up in the middle of an awesome dream or right about the time that something awesome is about to happen in that dream, right? You're like, this is incredible. And then you wake up and you're like, no! And you end up scaring your wife awake and it's just a whole ordeal. Not that it's happened in my life before, but it's definitely happened, right? And then, and then what do you do? You're like, okay, I got to try to go back to sleep as, as fast as I can because I pray to the Lord. He blesses me by letting me finish this dream, right? Anyone, am I just the only one? Am I crazy or is this like an everyday occurrence for you guys, right? Because you know eventually that if you don't get into sleep fast enough, that puppy is going to fade away and there ain't no going back, right? And we're just left laying there disappointed because that never works, right? It never works. Falling back to sleep just never works. And I think there's... I think there's a moment like this for us in, in real life where, where you wake up from this dream and you realize that, man, life is kind of hard. You guys ever had a moment like that where you just realize life isn't easy sometimes? You wake up from that dream. You're, you're hit with the reality that, that things, they aren't the way that you dreamed that they would be at this point in your life and that, that you're kind of disappointed in your life. And we never really go back to sleep and our dream is just kind of lost. You know, for some of us, we wake up from the dream when, when we realize that the person that we love is, is not the person that we thought they would be. And we realize this isn't working. You know, some of us are woken up from our dream when we realize that, that our parents aren't getting along and it's tearing the family apart and there is nothing that you can do. And some of our dreams are crushed when, when our hidden sin has been found out by somebody and, and we know we're going to have to face the consequences. And now our dream is over. Every dream that comes to an end is marked by a loss. There was an author named Ernest Hemingway. Anyone, uh, readers in the room, anyone... Anyone at all? Okay, we got Gail. I knew, I was like, I'm waiting for Trin to put her hand up because I know she's a reader. We got Gail and Trin. Okay, so we're in a room of mostly me's. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. I'm going to be real honest with you guys. I am not much of a reader. Never have been. I started reading. Okay, this is going to be terrible. Okay. I, I know the generation of Christians that I grew up in, my parents grew up in, and I might slightly offend some of you in the room, but I've gotten to the point in my life, I'm 31 years old, I don't care, right? Um, I have been reading Harry Potter. Anyone, like, I know, my, I pray to the Lord my dad's not watching right now, because I remember one day my brother brought home a Harry Potter book that was his friend's, and my dad literally took it outside and threw it in the trash. And my brother's like, this isn't my book, I can just give it back to my friend. My dad's like, that's not good enough. So if my dad's watching, I, I apologize. But, you know, so I've been reading through the Harry Potter series. But the reality is, and this is, I don't know if this is TMI, all right? This isn't even in my notes, by the way, okay? This is free. This is free. Uh, I've only been reading it when I go to the bathroom. So I, uh, yeah, that's, that's the only time I read. Um, and so I am proud to say I'm like half, no, I'm not halfway. I'm like a quarter of the way through book four of... Seven books? 
Stick to my notes. Okay, I've been instructed by my wife to stick to my notes. I, all that to say, I'm not much of a reader. But even though I'm not much of a reader, I have heard of Ernest Hemingway. All right? I have. Um, but someone, uh, someone made a bet for Ernest Hemingway that he couldn't write a short story in six words. Six words. And Hemingway, being the awesome author that he is, took them up on the bet, and he took out a napkin, and he wrote this six-word story. It says this, for sale, baby shoes never worn. Isn't that a powerful story in just six words? You're like, holy, I didn't know that six words I could get hit in my emotions, right? Yeah, that's crazy. For sale, baby shoes never worn. I know some of you guys have experienced that in this room. Your six words might be different, but all of us at some point in life will be able to tell, tell a story like it, a story where our dream comes to an end. All of us experience loss, because loss is just part of life. You either had it, you're in it, or it's coming your way. So in those moments of loss, how do we, how do we get through it? We find this crazy promise from Jesus in the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And the first part of that verse says this. It says, blessed are those who mourn. How many of you guys, when you read that, you're like, that, that doesn't even make sense, right? It's like, blessed are those who are mourned. That's like saying, happy are those that are sad. It's like, it doesn't make sense in our heads. And it's in this series that we're going through, we're discovering that that Jesus takes our ideas of a blessed life and he turns them around. How we oftentimes define what it means to be blessed, Jesus says that it's actually the opposite. You see, we would think that blessed are those whose, whose dreams do come true or blessed are those that everything goes their way. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. It seems upside down. But there's a blessing that comes in mourning. The rest of the verse says this. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's a peace and a love that's experienced in a deeper and more real way through tears. There's a, there's a story of a, ma a man in the Old Testament who experiences tremendous loss. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Job. One of my least favorite stories to read through just because it's so sad. At the beginning of the book of Job, he's, he's living what I believe we would call a blessed life. The Bible describes him as a man who has everything. He has a wife, he has daughters, sons, he has a ton of land, lots of money, and he is happy with life. How many of you guys would say, if I had all of those things, that I would probably describe myself as blessed, right? If you had a wife or a husband, you had kids, you had lots of money, you had lots of property, you would probably be a little bit happier, right? How many of you guys... If we're honest, kind of believe if your bank account had a little bit higher number, you'd be a little bit, uh, a little bit higher on the happiness scale, right? I think we all kind of believe that a little bit. But then, for Job, the devil comes onto the scene. And he approaches God about Job, and he thinks that he can make Job turn away from God. So God decides that, that he's going to allow Job to be put to the test to see if he remains faithful. 
So a tragic series of events unfolds for this guy. Uh, first off, a strong wind uh, comes and it blows down his house, which is a big loss, right? How many guys would be not very happy if you went and you discovered your house had blown down, you know, with like after church right now? Not only that, his house blew down and his kids were inside and so all his kids died. That is huge. After that, he loses his health. He gets painful sores from the top of his body to the bottom of his body. After that, he loses his money. <clears throat> to add insult to injury, after all of that happens, his wife pushes him away and tells him that he needs to turn away from God. And then his friends, who were initially there for him, they start to pin the blame on Job for what's going on in his life. How many of you guys have had that happen before? You're going through something, you just need a little bit of encouragement, and the friends that you thought were going to be encouraging start turning the blame back on you. So he experiences one loss after another. But then we read this verse in Job 42 verse 5. It says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. In other words, God, before the pain in the morning, I knew about you, I knew of you, but now I know you. Through mourning and eventually through blessing, we begin to get to know God on a personal level. See, everyone experiences loss and, and everyone mourns, but people who follow Jesus find that that's not in vain. You know, the message version, I love this verse, back to Matthew 5, 4. The message version puts it this way. It says, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. See, this is hard for us because because I think we do everything we can to avoid mourning. You know, we've, we've bought into this idea that, that the pursuit of happiness means that we always have a smile on our face. So, so we're entertainment junkies, right? We try to medicate our tears away through, through unhealthy relationships, through drinking, through overeating, through pornography, or, or flat-out disrespectful and sinful choices. But there is a blessing from God that is only found through tears, so when we go through tragic circumstances of life that, that inevitably arise, when we wake up from the dream, there is a blessing available for us in that moment. You know, now we, we've been talking about mourning tragic circumstances, but, but I don't think that this is quite the type of mourning that Jesus is speaking of when we look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes, they speak about the state of our hearts in our relationship with God. And I think there's another way that we mourn. There's another way the word mourn is used in the Bible. It's, it's not dealing with suffering or pain and tragedies in life, but instead it's used to describe a grief and a broken heart over the sin in our lives and the sin that's around us. When we really study this, we begin to understand that there is a direct connection between mourning our sin and the blessing of God coming upon us. A direct correlation. When God's people mourn 
and grieve and weep over the sin in their lives and their communities, it is an invitation for God's blessing to return to you. I think an example of what this type of mourning looks like is, is King David in the Bible. King David has kind of a crazy story, right? Um, he, he goes quite a long time without any brokenness or, or confession. And finally, because uh, at this point, David's messed up a lot, guys. Uh, one of the biggest ones was David slept with another man's wife. He decided to try to cover that up by bringing the husband home off of the front lines of battle. And he tried to get them to sleep together so it didn't look like David had, was the father of their, that kid. But that didn't work. And so David sends that guy out to the front lines and tells the rest of the army to back off, effectively killing the guy. So David is an adulterer and he's a murderer. These are big things. He's messed up tremendously. And he hasn't fully ad really admitted to it or taken responsibility for it. So he goes a long time without any brokenness, any confession. Some of you guys have been there. You've committed some sins, whether you feel like they're big or small, you feel like other people know or they don't know. You might have some sins right now in your life. You've gone without brokenness for a long time. You've gone without confession for a long time. Just like David. And in David's life, God finally sends a man named Nathan the prophet to confront David over his sin. Before I continue, I just want to say God bless those that confront people who are in sin. I pray that God blesses those people. I wouldn't be here if those people didn't exist. So Nathan starts to confront David over his sin. And the question is, will David own it or not think much of it? So Nathan tells David this story. I love this. He doesn't directly go in and be like, you've messed up, you've sinned, what are you going to do about it? He kind of slyly works his way into it. And he tells, he tells David this story. There's a rich man who has all kinds of sheep, right? And back then, that meant you were really, really rich, right? You, the more livestock you had, the richer you were. And the neighbor, who was very poor, only had one lamb. So the rich man had a buddy over, and the buddy wanted rack of lamb, right? How many of you guys like rack of lamb? Anyone's like, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That guy had a buddy, and that buddy was like, you know what, I want, I want some rack of lamb right now. That's, that's just what I want. So what does the rich man do? The rich man takes the poor man's only lamb and roasts it up and serves it, even though he has a bunch of his own. And Nathan is like, David, what do you want to do about this? How should we handle this situation? And David, just like any normal person, David's furious and he demands justice. We need to bring the swift hammer of justice down on this guy. And then Nathan kind of turns it around and says, David, David, you are that man. And David breaks. And he's repentant. And he's broken. In Psalm 32, David talks about how God's blessing was absent from his life until he was finally broken over his sin. Psalm 32, 3-5 says this, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, 
I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. For me, this is one of the most meaningful passages in the entire Bible. Um, how many of you guys appreciate grandparents? Anyone had great grandparents? Not like had. That's a bad way of putting it. Had awesome grandparents, right? Um, yeah. Just so you know, if you, it's not too late, today happens to be Grandparents Day. Just so you know. So if you haven't given Grandma and Grandpa a call, if you still can, do it. All right. Um, and I am tremendously grateful for my kids' grandparents. And I am so grateful for my own grandparents. But the reason this passage that we just read is so meaningful to me is because of my own grandpa. Uh, my own grandpa uh, was a very opinionated man, right? I think that's kind of true of that generation, right? They were young bucks in World War II, went out to the war, and they just... You know, pick themselves up by the bootstraps, get everything done themselves. That's kind of how they were. And uh, my grandpa, he was a major smoker. He smoked all his life, um, and he ended up getting cancer. He got lung cancer. I believe it was lung cancer. And uh, fought it and went into remission for a while. And then it came back, and he went to the hospital and found out not only is it back, but it is way worse now. And he ended up, he had bone cancer, uh, just a bunch of different types of cancer. And I remember I was there the day that he died in the hospital. I was, I was in the room when he passed away. Um, and he was in a tremendous amount of pain, because I don't know if you know much about bone cancer, but it's one of the most painful cancers there is because your bones literally waste away. There's holes in your bones. And uh, my grandpa was in a tremendous amount of pain. They had him on some major pain medication. Like, I'm talking so major that I walked into the room, and my grandpa thought I was Johnny Cash. Isn't that crazy? And so, you know what I did? Stepped up to that bedside, and I was like, I fell into a burning ring of fire, right? And I was like, you know what, Grandpa? I am Johnny Cash. There we go. That's it. And so I was just like, I just want to make my grandpa happy, you know, because I knew he was going to pass away. And, and so he was in a lot of pain, guys. And I remember uh, the story is really meaningful to my family because my cousin was in jail at the time and didn't know that my grandpa was in the hospital passing away. And he sent to my aunt, my Aunt Patty, he sent this scripture, Psalm 32, through th 3 through 5, that talks about a man who refused to confess his sin, which was true of my grandpa. My grandpa did not believe in God. He wanted nothing to do with God. He swore away God. Everyone knew that, right? There's plenty of stories of, uh, of him being real opinionated, uh, in the area of his spiritual life. And, uh, and this, this passage was my grandpa. He was a man who refused to confess his sins. His body was wasting away, literally. I groaned all day long. That's what he was doing all day long because all the pain he was in, it says, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. He had no strength. This, like, this is my grandpa. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And my grandpa, God bless his soul, accepted Jesus literally on his deathbed. And we say thank God for that. But my, my cousin sent this scripture to my aunt, not knowing that my grandpa was going through this and that this was my grandpa. And he said, I don't know why, 
but God is placing this passage of scripture on my heart, and I thought I should send it your way. And uh, at that point, you know, my grandpa had accepted Jesus on his deathbed, but all of us were a little, like, we were questioning it, because we're like, I mean, my grandpa thinks I'm Johnny Cash, right? Like, he's not in his right mind right now, and so how do we know? Did he really accept Jesus? Was that the pain medication talking? And then we got this this message from my cousin in jail who had no idea any of this was going on. And this passage of scripture is confirmation that I'm going to get to see my grandpa in heaven again. And I thank God for that. This scripture is so meaningful to me. My grandpa, in the last moments, literally the last moments of his life, mourned over his own sin. He was forgiven, and he's now in heaven. Praise the Lord. Later in the book, thank you, thank you. Later uh, in the book of Psalms, David confesses his sin to God, and he says this, Psalm 51, 10 through 12 and 17, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. David says, look, do you want the blessing of God on your life? Do you want the joy of God to return? Then there needs to be a broken heart. There needs to be mourning over your sin. And this just isn't how we do it, right? I mean, we, we apologize and we say we're sorry, kind of like when we spill a glass of water at a restaurant and somebody else has to clean it up, right? You know, so, oh, sorry about that, sorry about that. We apologize, but, but that's not what we're talking about. Brokenness, confession, and repentance is not apologizing, it's weeping. And this is what invites God's blessing into our lives. You see, David doesn't just apologize here, he mourns. And most of us just don't do this. We, we say we're sorry when we have to, right? When we, when we get caught and we have no other choice. But we don't practice voluntary confession very often. Blessed are you when you grieve over your sin, not because you have no other choice, but but because you understand that you have offended the holiness of God. Blessed are you when, when you're brokenhearted over your sin. You're not just sorry because you drank again when you told yourself that you wouldn't, or you gossiped about a family member, or you looked at that website after you made a promise to God that you would never do that again. Maybe you let your eyes linger a little too long on that coworker, and that coworker is not your spouse. Maybe you let your anger get the best of you with your kids. See, I know in my own life there's a difference between when I'm sorry and when I mourn. Have tears run down your cheeks because of this sin that's in your life? Because until that happens, I'm not sure that you're ready to ask for God's blessing in that area of your life. But can we be honest? This, this isn't easy for us. 
We live in a world that teaches us to do the opposite of this. And what's the opposite of weeping? Laughter. This is how we're taught to deal with sin, right? And, and so what, what we do is we focus on our media, right? On TV, on music, movies, and it, it teaches us that we should just laugh at sin. Try paying attention to the comedy shows or reality shows that we subject ourselves to. Try paying attention to the politicians or the reporters that we unwaveringly trust in. We laugh at sin, and, and I don't think we can really mourn over our sin unless we unplug from some of that and let it go. James 4, 8 through 10 says this. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So I ask, where is the man who mourns over his pride? Where is the woman who weeps over her gossip? Where is the young person who weeps over the sins that plague their everyday life? When is the last time that you shed a tear for your sin that nailed Jesus to the cross? Look, blessed are you when you are brokenhearted over your sin and your eyes fill with tears at the thought of what your sin cost Jesus on the cross. You know, recently... I uh, was mowing our yard, and by recently I mean today, and uh, <coughs> going to be real honest with you guys, I had been putting off mowing it, and usually I do that, I'm like, eh, every week, I could go every other week, you know, just, it's hot, right, we have our excuses, of course, this last week, it was hot, right? I wasn't going to be out there in the afternoon. Trin would come out and find me. I had already probably would have met Jesus at that point if I had tried to mow the lawn this week. So it was finally cool enough this morning that I decided to go out and mow the yard. But I'm going to be real honest. It had been a month. And uh, I was no longer mowing a yard. I was hacking down a jungle. And uh, I was trying to mow the yard, but I would get like a strip and a half through the yard and the mower and I'd have to oh my goodness and so I get in there and I have to dig all the grass out or out from it because there was just, it couldn't handle it and I didn't have I should have but I didn't have the patience to be like okay I'm going to put my mower on a higher level and trim it once and then put it on the lower level and trim it again I was like nope we're going to the lowest level and we're going to push through this stuff alright I uh, I realized today when I came inside looking like the Hulk because I was all green and uh, was still hot, came in probably a little angry and a little short with the kids and my wife, I was like, Brian, you probably shouldn't wait this long to mow your yard again. It's much easier if you just do it on a regular basis because then you won't be on the verge of cussing in front of all your neighbors, right? Am I being a little too honest, right? So that was my day today. And I was like, God, you I mean, you're teaching me something right now, but I think God might have something in there for you guys too. And my pain might be able to help you guys out a little bit too. You see, 
just like the lawn needs to be regularly maintained, so do you. I think more often than not, we put off our repentance and the mourning of our sin until it just gets too unbearable. Just like I did. I'm like, I am embarrassed that this is the state of our house right now. Everyone else has wonderfully manicured lawns all around us. And I know I have inadvertently probably dropped the value of every home in our neighborhood because it looks so bad. We do the same thing in our life. We wait until it just gets too unbearable. But you see, repentance and mourning should be something that we do daily as a Christian. The Israelites in the Old Testament even had a regular time of mourning their sin. It was called penitential mourning. It was a communal approach to mourning. You know, this would be where, where God's people would have a seven to 30 day period where they would grieve as a community over the sin in their lives. And we find that this is what brought God's blessings back on his people. So their penitential mourning, it was identified by wearing sackcloth. Sackcloth was a way of showing humility back then, and it was a way of visibly demonstrating on the outside a heart of repentance on the inside. So that's what I want to do with the rest of our time today, a time of penitential mourning where we as a community, not just in this room, but also in the room in Modesto, also across the globe, that we mourn over our sin as a church, a time of penitential mourning. I mean, who else is going to do it? If someone ain't gonna mourn over your sin, if you're not gonna mourn over your own sin, who else is? You need to do this. I also don't want you to forget that, that this is also a celebration because in the process of grieving our sins, we also recognize that our sins have been forgiven. Praise God. So in these last few moments, while we repent and while we worship, my invitation to you is to come on up to the altar, which is just the area up in the front of the room uh, near the stage. And up on the stage, you're going to find some pieces of sackcloth. I want you to take one, and I want you to put it in a prominent place in your home or your bedroom, somewhere you're going to see it, as a way to remember that you need to mourn every single day over your sin. And as a way to celebrate God's goodness, because that sin has been forgiven. It'll help you, help remind you to continue to give it up to God every time that you see it. Let's pray. Oh God, would you help us not to grow numb to our sin? Would you soften our hearts and allow us to grieve and mourn the sin in our life and in our community? And God, as you see our tears, would you please bring your blessing? We ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. So let's put this into practice. And I want you to remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So as Trinity starts to sing this song, why don't you come up to the front of the room, grab your piece of sackcloth. You can stay here. You can go back to your seat. 
but take that sackcloth and you start to mourn and grieve over the sin in your life. through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and pay a penalty that, that you could never pay by doing any amount of good. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. So all across this church network, 
If you're ready to accept Jesus, whether it be for the first time or you're ready to rededicate your life to Jesus, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand as a sign to God saying, God, I give up my current life and how I'm currently living and I am deciding that you are going to give me a new life starting right here and right now. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Put that hand in the air. Come on, if you give your life to Jesus today, put that hand in the air. We thank you, God, that you have made a way where there seemed to be no way. God, we, uh, we don't just say that we are sorry, but God, we mourn what we have done. Because we know that this doesn't just affect us, this affects all of the people around us, your children, people that you created. God, we are so sorry that we have not acknowledged how we're living, that we've not repented of how we're living, that we haven't given it up to you. God, would you come in and make a way where we don't see a way? Forgive like only you can and make us new. Listen, I want to remind you guys what the Bible says in Romans 8.38 because some of you guys feel like you've done just too much that God can never love you. He can never forgive you. But Romans 8.38 says this. It says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There is a tremendous amount of hope when you give your life to Jesus. That doesn't mean it's all going to be sunshine and daisies from here on out. Life is difficult sometimes we make it difficult on ourselves because we sin and we shall fall short of the glory of God. We need to mourn and shed tears over what we do. This is no small deal. This is life and death. But praise Jesus, he has made a way for us to be forgiven. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending time with us. God, sometimes I feel like I myself am in the same condition my lawn was in just this morning. Let things overgrow. Gone too long without taking care of my spiritual condition. But God, I thank you that you never left, that you were always right there, ready and willing to take me right back. I pray that you would do the same for everyone across this shirt network. I pray for those people who gave up their sins tonight, that you would give them the strength to not run back to that sin, but to embrace their new life in you. God, help us to rework the pathways of our brains so that addictions don't reign supreme anymore. God, we pray for a breaking of the chain when it comes to pornography and alcohol and sexual addiction and anger. God, even overeating and unhealthy eating, God, everything that 
that we do that might be big or might be small, but it goes against the holiness of you. We ask that you would show us it so that we can make ourselves new in you. God, we thank you that you love us and there is nothing that we can do to take that love away. There's nothing that anyone else can do to take that love away, that it is here to stay, that your forgiveness is never but a step away. We thank you for that. In the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ and everyone here in Lathrop, everyone in Modesto and everyone online said amen, amen, amen. Listen, before uh, I give it up to your campus pastor over there in Modesto, I want to give you a blessing. It's a blessing I give every time uh, I'm up here blessing a gathering and it's found, it's just scripture, Matthew 6, 33, and it says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. There's a promise straight from the heart of God. So if you find yourself in a tremendous amount of need, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. No excuses. And live righteously. And God has promised he will take care of every one of your needs. I pray that that blesses you as you go out and you be the church. All right. Amen. Have a great week, guys.